Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete. As you may know, Get Flushed was reviewed on the podcast radio hour on the BBC last week. That review attracted a lot of traffic and Get Flushed saw a good surge in listeners as a result. I've listened to a few of the other shows that were reviewed by Amanda and Becca at the Podcast Radio Hour, and it's really good to know that there are other niche podcasts out there. I particularly enjoyed The Ship's Log, which is produced by JB over in Houston. He's worked at sea and talks to other mariners about their lives and work, and well, it's just a really good listen. So if you get a chance, tune in. It's called The Ship's Log. As well as a review on the BBC, Get Flushed was also listed on Amazon Music and Audible this week. Now, although they're paid subscription services, the podcast element remains free. So if you're an Amazon Music user or you listen on Audible, search for Get Flushed and you'll be able to download the show alongside all of your other favourite podcasts and music from those platforms. And I'll put a link for the Get Flushed page on Amazon Music in the notes for today's episode. Before we get going with this week's episode, I want to thank Daryl Veal and Carla Madden at Christchurch City Council. I interviewed them both earlier for next week's show. Now, Daryl is an environmental scientist and Carla manages the Municipal Wastewater Treatment Facility. We had a really good chat and they shared lots of information about the way the sewer network operates, what happens when wastewater is received and what happens in order to process it for release back into the environment. You'll be in for a treat when I mix that episode and it will be released next week. That's episode 22. So far in the series, and indeed during the last couple of episodes where I've talked about events, I've only really mentioned plastic portable toilets. But this week, I want to shift focus and think about some of the other options that are available in the world of portable sanitation. Specifically today, I want to talk about towable caravan-style restrooms. Now, these are often described and marketed as luxury toilets. They're usually a large white box mounted on a trailer that looks like a caravan, they have an inbuilt water tank, freshwater flushing toilets and hand basins, an integrated holding tank for the waste, and they're usually fitted with deep cycle leisure batteries and 12 volt pumps. And the idea is that they're self contained so that they can be used anywhere. The very best high end models will be fitted with porcelain toilets and sinks, automatic flushers, stone bench tops, LED lights, mirrors, air conditioning, and a sound system. And they come in a range of sizes from single pan up to huge units that are mounted on articulated trucks. In future episodes, I'm hoping to talk with operators who specialise in providing high-end luxury restrooms, but today I want to set the scene by thinking about the pros and cons associated with towable units, the ones that are designed to be pulled behind a ute or SUV. To do that, I'll talk about construction and design, the materials used for the body, chassis and tanks, I'll look at some typical layouts and talk about the issues that I've experienced with this type of unit. I'll think about low-volume flush mechanisms and waterless urinals. I'll look at how size and weight present special challenges to the operator, and I'll ask whether you can legally move these things when they contain fresh water and or waste. And I'll also talk about the issue of odour or smell. That's a lot to get through, and there'll be some fine technical details, but I'll do my best to summarise things as simply and clearly as possible. One of my favourite novels is Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Robert M. Persig. I bought my copy while I was at high school in the 80s and it's the most raggedy, worn-out, dog-eared and torn thing on my bookshelf. While it's essentially the story of a motorcycle trip from Minnesota to Northern California, Persig uses the book to explain there are two types of people in the world. 
romantics who live in the moment and hope for the best, and rationalists who prefer to analyse and want to know the details and inner workings of absolutely everything. Using Persig's rational approach, we can simplify the complexities of a mobile restroom into two main assemblies, the body and the plumbing. I'll start with the body. When I've looked underneath mobile restrooms, I've seen two types of structure. Those with a frame, often a steel chassis that looks like a ladder, and those with a monocoque design, where the holding tank acts as a structural component that provides the foundation for the axles, the body, and everything else. Regardless of the way they're made, all mobile restrooms have wheels, sometimes one axle mounted slightly towards the back of the unit, or two axles mounted close together, and they have a drawbar with a coupling. Traditionally, the hitch would fit either an inch and seven-eighths toe ball or a metric 50mm toe ball, but modern couplings are often universal and will fit either. I'm always really surprised when I look underneath a mobile restroom and see a steel frame that's been painted. Road travel can be really hard on paint and it doesn't take much to pick up stone chips. And as I said last week, any steel that's exposed to the air will start to rust. For that reason, I'm a big fan of galvanising. Now that said, that's a really expensive process. And when I think back to all the caravan-style restrooms I've seen, I can't remember one that was galvanised underneath. But if you've got one, or you build one with a galvanised frame, get in touch and I'll let everybody know. The bodywork on mobile restrooms is usually constructed in the same way as caravans or motorhomes, and there are two main methods of construction, traditional stick and tin, and monocoque. With the traditional approach, a wooden frame is built on the chassis, a plywood floor installed, and the whole structure covered with aluminium sheets. Now that cladding is traditionally held in place with rivets and screws, and the joints are covered with a flashing strip. It's a traditional method that works really well, but it can make the restroom prone to leaks, especially when you think about the vibration and lateral forces that are generated and exerted on the trailer while it travels on the road. With a monocoque design, lightweight composite panels are used, and they're made of different layers of material, sandwiched and glued together under pressure. The panels can be moulded to shape, and they have a finished surface that doesn't need to be painted. They're usually joined together and held in place with strong polymer adhesives, which makes the cabin really, really strong. That method of construction results in a cabin that's really rigid, and it doesn't need such a heavy chassis or as much structural framing. That means the unit will generally weigh less than a traditional framed restroom, but I'll come back to weight later on. Regardless of the method of construction, mobile restrooms typically hold the waste in a tank built in or on the chassis below the actual cabin. That makes a lot of sense because, well, gravity always makes liquid run down towards the ground. Having the tank in that position raises the height of the restroom floor, so steps are required to get in and out. And remember that any steps hung on the outside of the sides of the unit need to be within the maximum permitted width for the road, and that's usually limited to 2.6 metres or 102 inches. Freshwater tanks are usually housed higher up, often in a locker or cupboard, and most will have an adapter that allows the toilets and basins to draw water from either the built-in tank or a pipe town supply where available. 12-volt pumps run by deep cell batteries usually supply the toilets and taps on the basins. And of course, there are as many different sizes, layouts and configurations of mobile restroom as you can imagine. In my experience, the trailer will either have separate restrooms with one toilet and one basin in each cubicle, or there'll be open plan, 
with two, three or more cubicles inside, much like you'd see in a municipal toilet or larger restrooms found in schools, offices or hotels. Where the restroom has separate cabins or rooms, each one will need its own door, and that can have implications for the position of the axle and wheels, and that in turn can affect the overall balance and stability of the unit. When the unit is hooked up to the towing vehicle, we want a small amount of downward pressure on the tow hitch. Under most regulations, tow vehicles can accept up to 10% of the pulled weight of the trailer as downward weight on the hitch. Now in my experience, many of the larger towable restrooms exceed that by a considerable amount. The reason for that is that axles aren't always in the ideal place, often because of the door configuration, or ancillary items like the battery and the gas bottles are mounted on the front of the unit or in the space created by the A-frame of the drawbar. And all of that tends to make the unit's nose heavy. And exceeding the amount of downward weight on your drawbar causes lots of problems when it comes to stability and braking. It's also important to understand the regulations concerning the overall weight of the towable restroom. In New Zealand, the maximum permitted weight of a simple light trailer, that's one pulled on a standard towable, is 3,500 kilograms or 7,700 pounds. That includes the trailer and its cargo or load. And that's where we can run into trouble, especially with larger restrooms that might hold 1,000 litres of fresh water and up to 2,000 litres of waste. The tear weight or unladen weight of a larger unit is often really close to that maximum limit. Once you add water and waste, the gross vehicle mass is massively exceeded. And I'll stress that the regulations in New Zealand are based on that gross vehicle mass, the weight of the trailer and load. What I'm saying is that many of the larger restroom trailers cannot legally be towed on the public highway here because they exceed the maximum weight limits. The answer is to use a ring feeder or pintle. That will let you pull a heavier trailer, but also means that the trailer has to be well balanced. Another option would be to use a fifth wheeler. Add a gooseneck like you often find on larger caravans. The downside for a restroom operator is that a gooseneck's not particularly pretty and it sticks out a long way. That could cause problems if you need to set it up in a confined space like a marquee. Now one defence I've heard used by mobile restroom providers is that they never tow the unit if it contains fresh water or waste. When I spoke to the New Zealand Transport Agency about that, they said it was a redundant argument. The regulations clearly mention gross vehicle mass, which means the weight of the trailer and its maximum load. They also said that however good your systems are, there's just no way to prevent a restroom being towed when it contains waste or water. Now it might be that in the long term, the regulations in New Zealand need to be reviewed and revised. But there are certainly a lot of operators who are using heavier units and they're doing so at their own risk. Regulations aside, not many towable restrooms are designed or built to be moved when they contain fresh water or waste. Freshwater holding tanks aren't usually fixed in place with secure, load-bearing restraints, and the waste tank isn't usually constructed to the same specifications as the vacuum tank on a pump truck. As we heard back in episode 10, liquid loads are really unstable in transit. They slosh about and they move forwards under braking and backwards when you accelerate. That can make the trailer really unstable and is actually dangerous, especially if the nose is already heavy. While we're talking about holding tanks, I like to see a large access hatch which allows you to open the tank, get in and remove any debris. It's absolutely impossible to remove plastic water bottles that have been thrown down the toilet from a holding tank through a 3-inch outlet. 
and the dump valve needs to be in a position that's easily accessible but not going to be knocked and damaged while you're hitching, unhitching or driving. The dangerous goods rule here says that any vehicle or trailer designed to carry dangerous goods must display the correct placards and labels. And again, that was confirmed by the New Zealand Transport Authority when I asked them for advice. But I've rarely seen a mobile restroom carry dangerous goods placards here. Sure, they're not very pretty and you really wouldn't want to ruin the sleek lines of your unit. But I've been able to design placards that can be fitted and removed quickly and easily. And doing so removes another unnecessary risk. There's no doubt that you can get some really beautiful and very well constructed mobile restrooms that would put even the poshest hotel to shame. Instagram is full of absolutely stunning units from around the world. But for me, there's one elephant in the room, and that's smell. Because the holding tank sits underneath the bathrooms, smell from the waste will rise, and that can be really noticeable, especially in hot weather. And quite often, the toilet waste falls directly into the tank because the pan isn't fitted with an S-bend like you find on flushing toilets at home. It's also really common for restroom designers to use low-volume flushing siphons to save water. Unfortunately, some of the units I've seen don't create enough water pressure or give enough flow to wash the poo and paper from the bowl into the tank. And with extended use, I've also seen a lot of mounding directly below the toilets, even to the point where it blocked the pan. Making sure each toilet is supplied with a toilet brush will help, but surely there's got to be a better way to flush. When it comes to the smell, air fresheners and deodorizers seem to be the norm. Wall-mounted aerosols that spray fragrance into the cabin every 5 or 10 minutes are common, but they only act to mask the smell, they don't eliminate it. David Pipkin from Portaclear spoke in episode 7, and he told me that his product creates a biofilm that will completely eliminate the smell of the waste. He's had some great success with restroom trailer providers, and I'm hoping David and some of his clients will join us to talk about that in later episodes of the show. Another common feature used to save water in restroom trailers is a percussion tap, the type that shuts off after a fixed amount of time. These taps can either be pushed to operate or turned to operate, and the time or flow interval can be adjusted, usually by adjusting a collar or a screw in the valve. The idea is that they limit the amount of water used, and they work really well. To be honest, I don't like the turn taps because you can't wash both hands at the same time and turn the tap, Push taps you can operate with your elbow, but even better for me is a foot pump. And of course, if we've washed our hands, we need to dry them. A common solution is paper towels. They work really well, but you don't want them in the toilet tank, because as we'll hear next week when I play the audio from my interview at Christchurch City Council, paper towels in the wastewater treatment plant cause lots of problems. I haven't seen too many units fitted with electrically operated hand dryers, and I think that's because quite often you don't have mains power available on site. The final aspect that I want to talk about today is about providing an attendant. Now clients are going to pay an awful lot more for a mobile restroom than they are for a standard portable toilet. And you can increase the value of your sale by providing an attendant to keep the unit clean and tidy and well stocked during the event. Finding the ideal candidate for that role is not always straightforward, but it's a great job for students or casual workers. And if you've got somebody on site during hire, they can always deal with unexpected emergencies. And they occur, like the time somebody disconnected the water hose, which stopped the units flushing and the taps working, or the time somebody disconnected the generator and forgot to flick the switch to fire up the batteries. 
that's my introduction to mobile restroom trailers. There's a lot more we can talk about here and in future episodes I'll be joined by providers who specialise in high-end luxury tables as well as some trailer builders to find out what they think makes the ideal luxury unit. Once again, I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, 